0: What up, everybody? Welcome into the College Chaos Podcast. Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie here with you, and we are going to move this show. This is going to be the new time where we're coming to you live as football season gets underway. We have a lot of moving parts going on uh, within the studio, a lot of different shows lined up and things. So we're going to make things um, more cohesive to everybody in the room. We will move our show to this time period on Monday, which allows, Jack, for me and you to kind of – when we. Start on Monday, we can look back at the weekend. I think both of us are in uh, agreement. We prefer to digest and kind of recap what happened. We'll look ahead, but we're more so reflective. Yeah, we're not really those kind of like film breakdown gurus. I'm not breaking and, any film, And no. at that
1: point, it's pretty <laughs> much just like either break down film or like study the betting odds. At least that's what I feel like the useful content right. is. And so... I do want this to not just be, like, random talk, random yeah. speculation about what's going to happen the next weekend or just, like, looking at injury reports all week. Yeah. I'd rather look back and be like, hey, these were my big takeaways. It, it just feels more concrete. It feels a little more, more fact-based. Right. And I think we both prefer that.
0: Yeah, I don't – I mean, I don't mind, like, shooting the shit and speculating every once in a while. I, I, I'm no – I'm not, you know, opposed to putting things out there that people are going to hate or trash. You know, I, I really don't care. That That's cool with me. But I, I do like it's to have something some, I love about you. I know. I do like to have the meat and potatoes of everything as we get into it. And I, I think when you're looking right now, man, at the landscape of college football, uh, you, you realignment is the vocal point, right? And I think we we kind of come on here last week. We did I wouldn't necessarily call it an emergency segment, but once Colorado officially chunked the deuce to the pack it came to the Big 12, we needed to put our opinion out there. Yeah. Um right now I what does everyone the, needs our opinion. Everybody needs our opinion. <laughs> like Obviously. if you come, come on, on dude. Them. Yeah. Like no, but I think one of the interesting things, like when you go back to that video, um you pose the question as we are wrapping up, like where, what do you see happening? Like in the moment right now, what do you see happening? And I initially, like, I, I loved the question. Um, I'm not good with reacting on the fly. So I froze up like Mitch McConnell and <laughs> oh, didn't know oh what to my. do. Like, um, accurate, but damn, bro, like just straight up, you know, like having a stroke, you know, Ooh. but I, um, so we I, wish
1: good health upon <laughs> everyone. We wish good health upon everyone you might I don't
0: uh, but so uh, so I uh I said Oregon and, oh my god! Uh, when I said Oregon dude like I I didn't want to say it it just kind of like pulled out you know and, and that might be a bad reference there but uh Oregon just came out and I would love to see the ducks in the big 12 I just realistically don't think it's ever going to happen um and there's multiple reasons, right? Like they've never had any interest. Um, I think the Big Ten is really where them and Washington would like to be. And the Big Ten has has handled this um, pretty much seamlessly. Like we're going to wait, see what happens. We don't want to be the ones who puts the end to the Pac-12. Brett Yormark has no problem. We'll let the Big 12 kill it. And then we'll kind of pick up the scraps. And when Levi and I were talking the other day, on Friday, I believe, he brought up the good point of, egos right like yeah. I, right now when you look at the big 12 even with the addition of colorado coming in i think you have all the the same like-minded um as a whole with the cohesion of the group where you don't have an alpha right like everybody's on the same page i know that's been the concerns of bringing in utah uh well and, which i think that would be great dude. if you put utah in the big 12 that's automatically them BYU you are the best rivalry Period. I th- honestly, I think the only problem with Utah is like the fans. You yeah, but Madden. I mean, like, dude, at that point, like, <laughs> yeah, who cares yeah, that, about the fans? Like, let's get the product. Who but-
1: cares about the fans, man? If one thing is clear <laughs> about all of realignment from the start, it's it's honestly, who cares about the fans?
0: No, that's a good point, dude. But like, like I, I feel really bad for Pac-12 fans in general. Like, you know, we said it that length. I, I like the pack. I, I think there's some. It, so it sucks for them. Uh, you're more so the Big Twelve fan. I know uh as as somebody who went to Baylor you when when the Big 12 was on the brink y'all y'all how did you feel initially with that like is, do you feel like the pack i mean i think Baylor fans in general felt kind of like these Oregon State fans per se
1: yeah i would say i felt pretty bad but there was also something in me that felt like We'll survive this. We'll, right. we'll find a landing spot. Maybe not a Power Five landing spot. Probably not a Power Five landing spot. Yeah. I think is what I got to at the at the darkest moments. But there there was just something that felt like, look, this isn't a, the end. This isn't the end of college football for my my universe. Right. This isn't the end, and for my alma mater. But it was it was scary. You know, you you don't necessarily want to have to adjust to life in that second tier. Yeah. Um. You don't. You don't want to not be playing the schools you're used to playing and like it's one thing to lose lose the two that you knew you were losing but then to think like hey half of the teams that are left might get landing spots in these other bigger better conferences mm-hmm. that's the other thing i i have been fully convinced this whole time like big 12 football is just more fun than a lot of oh, other it's definitely more fun before and now after i think it's more fun and i like i have a big 10 school my parents both went to purdue i i watch plenty of purdue games every year i enjoy it But my God, there's something about Big Ten football that just puts me to sleep. And the idea that a conference that has football that puts me to sleep Mm -hmm. would survive over the conference that, like, it's crazy, it's hectic, it's fun, that gets Gus Johnson yelling like Gus Johnson yells. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Like, I think that's probably what what had me most down in the dumps. And so back to the Pac-12, it's just like, I don't envy the fans that care a hell of a lot about the football and enjoy their conference and enjoy hopefully going to a lot of games being able to go up and down the coast going throughout the conference like traveling with their team yeah the losing the regionality losing the rivals they've had it sucks i'm not sitting over here i'm not going to be one of those people dancing on the grave am i happy that we finally got to leave the holding pattern and something happened right yes absolutely but if the Pac-12 dies, it's not something I'm going to, like, be really happy about. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure there are, there are administrations and other individual figures where I'm like, okay, you're being toxic and annoying about this. There's some Utah fans right. that are really toxic and annoying about the realignment. Um, There's some journalists, journalists, who have been very, frankly, toxic about realignment right. and trying to dictate what the truth really is, even though it's not the truth. Um, but it, but yeah, it's going to be sad if the Pac-12 dies.
0: Well, I'm I'm glad you brought up the journalist there because you know I think one of the the journalists from the Pac perspective who has caught a lot of hell in this is Stuart Mandel. and I think he's done a good job of trying to be unbiased. I think at times, um, maybe he's gotten caught up in. I don't know if it's necessarily sentimental, but I think he's in a situation where he doesn't want to see the pack die as well. So he was trying to paint with a broad brush the best case scenario, and he caught a lot of hell for that, especially once Colorado did, you know, come to the Big 12. But we were able to have Stewart on the show on Friday on 365 Sports in the afternoon, go back on YouTube and check that interview out. It was phenomenal, but he addressed it. I mean, he was he put out the article saying he was wrong in the athletic You can go check that out um uh, but one interesting quote that he gave us on Friday that really resonated with me was I feel like the Pac-12 is almost doing everything that the Big 12 did in the opposite direction. Yeah. And like I I I, I don't want to like credit myself. I'm pretty sure I said that at one
1: point on one of our episodes. I'm pretty sure, but it, it, I I I'm sure a lot of other people have said it as well. Yeah.
0: No, it's just really it, it's crazy and um when we were talking with him, he was talking about the negotiation process um, and how the PAC is handling this. And one thing he brought up that to me, if I'm a PAC fan or just anybody in general is an area of concern is while these negotiations are going on with the TV networks, it's George Klyavkov and nobody else. Like, I don't understand how you, in a situation this Dire um, when you see that everything is going against you and every move you have made up to this point is seems to be a failure. How, as the presidents and the chancellors, the regents, you know, I know everybody that's really pulling the strings, how are you still comfortable with letting this guy go in single-handedly and relying on his word when, at the, to this point, he's just been, he's missed consistently?
1: Yeah, I after colorado left i've started operating under this assumption that there is that essentially for lack of a better term the entire pac-12 is now acting like ducks and by that you know the old saying like ducks they look very calm on the surface but underneath the surface those those webbed flippers or feet whatever you want to whatever they're actually called i'm sorry it's a little early in the morning for me but it's (laughs) chaos down there it's chaos yes that's what we like to that's what we like to talk about but like I had a feeling that maybe it wasn't like that that maybe everyone was trying to stay in line but I there is no way I can believe that I can know I cannot believe that there is calm underneath the surface behind no. behind closed doors I do think there's a lot of scrambling and it's not necessarily scrambling all to leave but there's got to be a lot of scrambling of how do we save ourselves mm. And now I'm sure they're looking at all avenues of save ourselves through the Pac twelve, save right. ourselves through another conference, right. save ourselves through this and that. Um, I so I, I do think because I think there's there's a lot of steam picking up behind, well, hey, there's one more fully guaranteed pro rata slot for the Big Twelve. Yep. Fox is holding up the other two, but Fox isn't necessarily not going to to get to chip in full shares to teams fifteen and sixteen if they know who those teams are going to be.
0: Right, yeah, and that's something that Brett McMurphy addressed with us on Friday as well. He, he said that ESPN is required to pay its full amount, the $20 million per school, uh, to the newcomers. Fox is not required to contract and match the $12 million, uh, but they have a verbal agreement to where up to two they can. Uh, that means Colorado, when they come in, they are getting the full $31.7 million, the pro rata. Mm-hmm. Uh, but each team... Let's see. But for the league to reach 16 teams, we need, to, we need assurances from Fox that they would pay their full shares for two additional members. So, uh, right now, I think that brings to the, the situation ahead where you're looking at it's one team for sure the Big 12 is going to add. And, and I think the wording behind that, too, is like when you see we can add one, we're guaranteed to add one. What you're not saying is there's no cap on that, right? Like we can add one. But that's not saying we can't add two. That's not saying we can't add three. It's just letting you know for sure one's about to go down.
1: Yeah, I I think it is a guarantee the Big 12 will be at 14 for 2024. Oh, absolutely. I I, I feel very good about that. I feel bad for the Pac-12 about that because there's nowhere else that team is coming from unless somehow your mark turns all of the Big 12 around on UConn. Mm -hmm. But I'm pretty sure all the Big Twelves like, they'll be there.
0: Yeah, that, that's another we, – we can get into UConn in a minute because yeah. I, I do think right now uh, the Pac-12 is definitely on deck. And I think it, all indications – and I, if I'm wrong, cool, but I, I'm not the only person that's about to say this. It's Arizona, right? Like Arizona is on the clock. They have Absolutely. been there with Colorado well, honestly, step by step. To use the baseball reference, I don't think they're on deck. I think they're at the plate. They, 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 damn, well, they damn well should be. And I think if you go back, Max Olsen we had on as well. Uh, he interviewed Robert Robbins. Uh, from Arizona, he said what everybody has been saying this entire time. What Colorado was saying up until they finally left, which is we still got a year left on the contract. Where it's no need to get panicky and jump. We're still in. We're still believing in the pack. We want to see the TV deal.
1: Yeah, that's cool. There are multiple ways you can look that's at cool. that. You can look at it like their heads in the sand, they're really just trucking along with the pack. You can look at it like he's just trying to keep everything calm, keep the pack as stable as it can be to, to get two good options yeah. or two, two options in front of him instead of keeping one unstable, kind of like, frankly, like Colorado did, yep. um, where they almost made their own bed of like, well, there's no deal. It, it's cause you're flirting so hard with the big 12 that right. like, it's tough to make that pack 12 deal. So maybe he's trying to get both deals in front of him, like actually get a number, and he's still waiting for that. Or it's just a flat-up facade, straight-up facade where he's really like, everything behind closed doors is like, get me into the Big 12 ASAP. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Like, honestly, I, <laughs> it's just reckless speculation. But what I do think is interesting, what I want to go back to on the pro rata, um, is even though it's only guaranteed up to that 14th team, one more team, uh, Fox is in a very enviable situation of being able to sit there and kind of be the deciding vote on, like, are they good enough right. to make it into the Big 12? It's not a position that I think Big 12 presidents or, or ADs would love mm-hmm. that a TV network gets to really be the deciding vote. But, look, I wouldn't be surprised if Fox is maybe holding out for Oregon and Washington as 15 and 16, rather than Arizona State and Utah
0: I think that's only the, the, but, the most logical business decision.
1: Yes, it's the most logical business decision. But I, I also wouldn't be surprised if Arizona State and, and Utah get their ducks in a row and they force Fox to make that decision. And Fox is like, you know what? You're good enough. Because Utah is a power football program. We keep talking about this. Oh, yeah. They get it done on the field. Arizona State, massive alumni base. We both think they're very much a sleeping giant. In I think Kenny Dillingham football. can turn it around. And so I think it would be premature Fox to just say, nee. <laughs> but again, I assume they've done the research. I assume they have some consultants and perhaps they're already, they already firmly know, like these are the schools we take these are the schools we don't. But I think the key is that, Oregon and Washington need to not be that 14th team. Right. I think that's the road to 16 is one of the other three corners is that 14th.
0: No, I think it is too. And I think at this point it's going to be Arizona. I think that it, it is, it's going to be interesting to see how everything progresses throughout the week because you're already starting to hear like – they're, they're, people are trying to spin this and throw the ACC in the mix. You're starting to hear, well, what could be, what coulda, woulda, shoulda, and all this. I, I think you're going to see a lot of that. There's going to be a lot of distractions um, this week that are going to bring up just probably some absurd speculation, but you need to just be level-headed. Uh, I think by the end of the week, Arizona, will we will find something coming out of Tucson, whether they're making that. The decision or not, I think this gives George Klyavkov and uh, the pack of nuts some more time to that giving them the benefit of the doubt, right? Like you've had this long, you you couldn't pull it off in a year. Here's another week. We need to know something, and I think that by probably Thursday or Friday, we'll have a good indication of. May, and I, I maybe like I don't want to put dates on it. I'm saying I'm oh, hopeful. I was about to ask if you want to bet. I am hopeful that by the end of the week, Thursday or Friday, we have something. I don't want to be that guy that says this date or not.
1: Okay, because I was going to ask if you want to bet Monday's lunch on it. Ooh. I will buy you lunch on Monday if, you know they're, what? if they're in by the end of the 3 to 6 show on Friday.
0: I will if, take that bet. You know what? Because I'm hungry. I will take that bet right now. We're going to go with that. And, I, hey, you wanna, if I'll be the guy with the date that you can shoot down, cool. We can run Friday, with that. Friday. When they go off air. When they go off air. If we don't any, have something. Any, any team. Any team, Any I don't team. care who it is. I'm fine. I'm well, fine. With no, that. I do care who it is because I do not want UConn. <laughs> like, okay, look, I think yeah, obviously yeah, let's, let's really dig into UConn. Obviously, the right now the vocal point is on the pack in Arizona and everything. I'd um, say the focal point for everyone, except maybe Brett Yormark. Yeah, which I and look, dude. Like, I, look, I understand, and we've talked about this before. Yormark wants. I feel like he really wants to. Figure out a way to grab the New York market and incorporate it with the Big Twelve.
1: I also, th- I also think he might be making a play at basketball is going to surpass football eventually, and and th- this. Bear with me for a second. Okay, bear I was with that. Baseball was the freaking sport in America. Yeah, it ended up falling off. Football is clearly above it. Is football going to fall off? in the next 30 years, and Uh, basketball supplant it, mm. I don't think so, personally, but there are people out there who think that. Or, at the very least, that basketball is going to continue to grow and get close enough. Maybe not on the professional level, but college athletics is everything on a slightly smaller
0: scale. I don't see it. I, I think basketball will continue to grow. I think it'll become more popular. I think as the women's side of things try to figure out how to navigate and draw more interest. I know you're trying to get the TV um, and you're trying to get this other tournament, which uh, I don't know about all that. Yeah. Um, I just, it, I don't see, I feel like it's it, to me when I hear that, look, basketball has grown, right? It is global where football isn't. That's why you see the big 12 trying to do big 12, in Mexico, and you throw basketball in there as well, but you've been seeing the NFL try to go to Europe forever. They're trying to make it a global game because of basketball and, and, but I just don't see, I feel like that's the, the conversation. It's, it's, I feel like it's similar to the conversation I've been hearing for years that, Soccer will and you're a soccer guy. That the MO that soccer I just I it feel like it's on that same, it
1: so far behind. But I just
0: feel like it's on that same trajectory. Now, football, I understand the injuries. I understand like and you're starting to see like I would not let my kid play football. I yeah. would not. There's no way in hell my son can't play football, there, but there's no way in hell if he could that I would let him. There are days
1: when I'm like, I feel it in my body, like, yeah, I played yeah. high school football. I I feel the 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 damage it did. Yeah. Um and and I do I do not believe really that basketball is going to out outgrow football at some point. I just think that it is it is an idea that's out there. And I would not be surprised if your mark buys it in some degree because he is through and through a basketball guy. He is smart, he is savvy. He's taking the Big 12 to places I think no one knew the Big 12 could go and go this quickly. I just think that when we're looking at how much he clearly wants UConn, this is something to keep in
0: mind. No, it is, and I think when you do, the the whole notion of UConn has nothing to do with football, right? Like, cool, Jim Moore, y'all had the best year you've had in a while, but you're not even, I feel, when I look at UConn's football program, I I look at it kind of like a Sam Houston State. Like, you're not nowhere near ready. You don't have the facilities. The whole idea of UConn to me is, yeah, you cool, you have football. I like the notion of UConn when it was, who is now just gone uh, with Gonzaga of bringing yeah, Gonzaga no and UConn anymore. in for basketball only? I think if you did that, I love it. Football, no. I, like, well, I, I just, I, I don't, it makes no damn sense. I don't think to me.
1: UConn was really in the conversation for basketball only. And that's because they have a football program that's in existence. I, I remember, honestly, from pretty early on, Hearing, I forget if it was from Mac Roads or mm. from other sources, but just that the Big Twelve was not looking at adding a basketball-only member right. that has a football right. program. Um, just because I think that puts you in weird spots as a conference. I think that eventually UConn would be like, "Hey, look, come on." Especially since you wouldn't be taking them as basketball-only, men's basketball-only. You'd be right. taking them men's and women's because yes. you do not, you don't go get UConn no, men's basketball the, and not get women's basketball coming. too. Yeah. So. It just it puts the conference in a weird spot, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see where this UConn stuff goes because I just do not think that it gets to the point where we're where we're sitting here like a month from now being like football season started we don't have a 14th for 24 is do we end up having to take UConn I just I don't see I don't that but see,
0: I, I don't think it is either because even if you did I don't see UConn. Legitimately, realistically, being able to line up and play Big Twelve football, like it, no. there's no way in hell. There's they'd have for to get so as lucky, many different they reasons. They would have
1: to get as lucky as Kansas did on their last hire, and I, I, I don't want to put that all up to luck. But Re- I think they're holds great. Worse off, way worse off than Kansas was. It's tough to be worse off than Kansas. But I think was. UConn is way worse off than Kansas. The only was. reason I'd say they're worse off than Kansas is is because they don't have the conference revenue already.
0: That and there's no like at least Kansas has some semblance of being able to recruit. Like there's no recruiting in UConn. Don't
1: don't give me that. Kansas was rock bottom and
0: I know, much but at least they can go to freaking Oklahoma or somebody. try to find where do you want to go and go to Maine? Let's go to Maine. New to find Jersey some- is very very I mean, close that's to Connecticut, cool, but it's I look, dude. I, that's a you know whole- how many of the best players in the nation come out of New Jersey cool a lot cool i that there's yeah and there's more of them that's going to go to penn state and everything else like i i just i there's so many levels to UCon you come that i the cannot three stand. stars we
1: know this recipe it's about finding the right coach and having the revenue to back him that's where uconn falls short they do not have the revenue to back any coach they hire <laughs> anyway i think we should we should wrap this segment up which does mean i want to ask one last question what's up who is it when is it number 14
0: Arizona by Friday and you're buying me lunch? Okay.
1: I think it's Arizona. I think it might take two weeks. Probably is, but, but... I'm probably gonna be buying you lunch. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Anyway, uh if it if it was someone else after that. I think that that's another question I want to finish okay. off on. Just real quick. Who who would be fifteen or who would be the other f- other team to take 14 because uh, still,
0: I still I'm going four corners
1: I I, I just I, look I love it feels like there's momentum behind Oregon but it feels like they're also not going to take
0: the job and here's the thing though that if you bring Oregon in or Washington like okay and by uh let's say you bring them in 2024 we hit uh 20 I mean 31 The real and uh the tv deals come up I, I could see them I feel like if you brought them in in 2024, they're always going to have that one foot out the door. They're always going to be looking. I would just be nervous. I think you grab Arizona State. I've seen on the message boards, Jason Shear posted uh, from Wildcat Authority, there's a lot of Arizona fans who, very similar to BYU and Utah, rightfully so, are not – Keen with the idea, they do want. They want nothing to do with Arizona State, but I think that's the most logical thing. I think uh, Utah is the one that's holding out the most. They've gave the most pushback the entire time. If I had to go fourteen, I would say if it's Arizona, Domino Falls, Arizona State. Utah's on the fence, and that's where we're at.
1: Okay, so if it's not Arizona at fourteen, it's Arizona State. Yes. Okay, I'd say it's Utah. I wish it was Utah. Like I I
0: think Utah football, but I think it's going to be Arizona.
1: And then I think within a couple of weeks, it'll be Arizona state following them. And then it'll pretty much be Utah being like, Oh shoot. Don't leave me out. Yeah. But maybe that's just, maybe I'm just riding the wave of momentum, but that's what we're going to do. We're going to ride our wave of momentum right into the next segment where we are going to take a look at all of the big 12 quarterback rooms, It might be a quick look on some of them, but we're going to break it down. We might throw out some rankings or give, like, these are our top few rooms. These are our bottom few rooms. Anyway, uh, this is the College uh, College Chaos Podcast on Crystal Ball College Football.
0: What up, everybody? Welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast. Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie here with you, and... Uh, we appreciate you tuning in whether it is live like you're doing right now whether you're going back checking it out on youtube spotify apple wherever you get your podcast we greatly appreciate Every one of you. So Jack, I was going through the other day and one of my favorite websites to always go check is Heartland College Sports. I think Pete Mundo and those guys over there do a great job of covering the Big 12 as a whole. Uh, And I found this article we have talked in the past. We've talked numerously about speaking of coming off the Pac-12 about their quarterbacks, right? I think without a doubt, they have the best collective group of quarterbacks in the nation heading into this season. And when you look at, at least the on paper uh, on paper, right? Like I, that, that's a great point, <laughs> especially with DJU, we, bro. We, like we see, we see we what you see did how last go play year. On the field this year, but going to the big 12, I think there's a lot of, um, there's an interesting quarterback play. Uh, there's interesting quarterback rooms. And I, uh, without a doubt, I think you are seeing the best collective groups leave after the season with Oklahoma and Texas, uh, going over this article on college sports says, but I know that that's the thing <laughs> going over this article though. Um, So I want to talk about initial reactions. When I was looking at this, they have Oklahoma number one. I think a lot of people probably would have said Texas just because of the Quinn Ewers hype, the Arch Manning hype. I I like Oklahoma at number one, personally. I think Dylan Gabriel is intriguing uh, when he is healthy. He's dynamic. Having another year to reunite with Jeff Levy, have an offseason, what can you do? But Jackson Arnold, to me, is the X factor here. Uh, this kid has, while he's a freshman, he, he's he got the hype to live up. I remember watching him get thrown in in high school in the state championship game as a freshman, and just like he owned the moment. It, they lost, uh, but just seeing him in those type of situations uh, and the, the development of him at Denton Geyer, I think he is going to be a star going forward, and I'm excited to see him play in the SEC. So given that, I was I I like Oklahoma at number one. What are your initial thoughts? I don't know if I like them at number one.
1: There is something that, to me, as much as he is, and this this is going to sound wrong when I say it, I still don't feel like Dylan Gabriel is very much more proven at the Power 5 level than, like, Quinn Ewers is.
0: That's fair. I mean, I I think you can make that argument.
1: He has more college production, obviously. UCF in the American is not some crazy, terrible level of competition. Like, don't get me wrong here. There was just something that... I think Oklahoma could have won more games if Gabriel (coughs) was at this top tier. (laughs) It's early in the morning. Come on. Give me a break. Um, I think Oklahoma could have won more games last year, some of the close ones, like the Baylor game, Mm -hmm. if Gabriel had found that next gear. I want the number one quarterback room in this conference to have that guy who has that next gear. Now, I'm going to say that, and I have no idea if Quinn actually does. <laughs> and I'm about better? to put Texas at number one just because th- this list on Heartland College Sports is a projected starter and projected backup. Correct. Which totally shafts Malik Murphy that's, yeah, that's on the, the Texas thing. list because they put Arch as his projected backup. And Arch is probably <sighs> the the, like... Highest touted uh, projects, third QB in the nation, possibly ever. <laughs> possibly ever. That's what I was gonna. Say. But Malik Murphy is dude, no he's a dog, dude. And to have three guys in that room where you're just like the talent there. Yeah. Like I, I don't see how they're not the number one QB room because the talent also means they've got the potential, right? And potential is something I feel like Dylan Gabriel showed. I feel like. The the two best proven starters on this board are two and four, Jalen Daniels and Will Howard. Yeah, and like, can Kansas is a real argument of being number one in this system of like, oh, we're just gonna take the two that we
0: think are the starter and the backup. Well, I okay, I don't, I I, I disagree with that because Jason Bean is not it. Like I mean, he he can win you some games, but if you go back and look at Kansas last year, once Daniels went down and Bean was thrown in, they were a totally different team. Totally different team. Totally different team. So I, I, that being said, and given that Bean has has been in the position, he's played the games for them to be above Texas. I can don't you, know about that.
1: Can you compete for wins with Bean? I'm not saying win. I mean, every depends. Game, like, I think are you depends, competing for wins with Bean? Depends on who the opponent is. Is A team is. with a defense like Kansas, no still hell, still no. competing for no. wins. No, I think yes. I think they were competitive. They weren't winning games, but they were competitive. Maybe that's more on Leipold as the coach, having them in good spots. But that's a crappy defense, and you're on your backup quarterback, and your backup quarterback is a guy with starting experience, who I think keeps you competitive to win games. I would put, them, I would flip the roster. I mean, I would
0: feel comfortable putting a Kansas
1: three, but like I just nah. that's also not not remembering that I have my preseason Big Twelve Player of the Year. Is exactly starting quarterback exactly so when your backup is a guy who has starting experience in the conference and i think can keep you competitive and your starter is hopefully the big 12 player of the year yeah i think that's good enough for number one but it's a close one with texas for me i do have kansas state and oklahoma fighting for numbers three and four because will howard is also a very He's good candidate really for good. preseason player of the year he took his team to a big 12 championship I don't know who Jake Rubley is. Honestly, I, I've not done enough research on their backup, but attempted five passes last season with his lone pass and big toe play being an interception against TCU. Not very convincing. Yeah, you so you I'm, I'm, good about that? I'm pretty sure I'm going to take Oklahoma at number three then, but Will Howard, Ooh. I take Will Howard over Dylan Gabriel.
0: Oh, hell yeah. No, so. no, without a doubt. I, I agree with you on that one. One thing that stood out to me and where... Are we going to dive deeper down the list? Well, yeah. So this is a team that when I'm looking at this list, I thought was too low. Yeah. And that's Texas tech because I, I have, I
1: say they're too high. Really? I think they're too low. Tyler Shuck does not stay healthy and has not proven that he can play at the, at a high level in the power five. He's not at Oregon anymore. Like I I don't I don't know what more to say I don't know why people are so high on Tyler Shuck I'm not I'm, trying to like insult him no personally, no no I'm not tra- but, I'm not
0: look here's the thing I'm not more so on Shuck. I'm more of a Baron Morton guy I think I Baron Morton win the job. is going to be really really good and I think he's going to be really good in that system and I think if Shuck can stay healthy if he can stay healthy uh I I, I just I think they're too far down at six I would at least put them at nope. five There's no way no. Nope. There's no way They're too high at six. Hell no. Who I, would you buy? Right, so who's Baylor below and them?
1: TCU. Definitely above. You're going to put. Mm. Yes. No way. Yes. No. I trust Blake shape more than I trust Tyler Shuck. I trust Sawyer Robertson more than I trust Baron Morton
0: off of what? Off of what do you trust? Shuck and Morton over those two. I would trust Morton over Robertson because I've seen him play in Shapen actual has games. The
1: single game out of any of those one four. game.
0: He had one freaking game. Where he was good,
1: he's also stayed healthy longer than Shuck. He's produced more than Shuck. As a starter, Shapen has done more in this conference. I don't know how you put Shuck. I will above give you. I look, I, I don't I, know I, how you put Shuck above him. I will give you and the, the head to head. Both, I will fact give that we're you the both head to head. We like Morton more than Shuck. That's that's the key. Well, now there. the Texas <laughs> Tech staff is telling me I'm too high on Morton. That's what they're saying. That Ooh, is what they're saying. I know. You know I'm right. No, too. I
0: know. I know. I know. I just I. Ugh, dude, I just so, so I if don't. they're
1: putting Shuck above Morton, and I can put Shapen above Shuck easily, well, shoot, I, dude, I'm not putting Shapen above Shuck easily. I think they're about and I'm putting on Chandler Morris probably above both of them right now.
0: Off of look, yeah, I, I think Chandler Morris has the potential. That system, the coaches he's got around
1: him, the, the players, players he's, he's got, got around him.
0: him. Jesus, dude, like, yeah, but I think if you look at the whole though, I, like Chance Nolan, I don't know too much about Chance Nolan. That's my only concern. I know he he balled out at times at Oregon State. I guess you can kind of look at that and say, but the 20 interceptions, is, that's, you're throwing interceptions against – that's, that's another hiccup with the Pac-12, right? Like We can talk about how good their quarterbacks are. Defense Those defenses and, are trash. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're throwing 20 interceptions against trash-ass defenses, like what are you going to do in the Big 12 where their defenses are better than what you're seeing in the Pac? That's, I'm a little apprehensive on that one. One thing yeah. that I right, what are your what are your thoughts on UCF? They're oh, at number five man. on this. We've seen what John Rice Plumley can do. They're actually practicing right now. I've seen some of uh, uh Plumley's film this morning yeah. out there, some of the throws he's making. What are your thoughts as a whole on that room?
1: Charismatic dude, talented dude, the top of the room Plumley. Um I'm not super familiar with his game, but Just looking at the stats, nearly 3,500 yards, 25 touchdowns last year, 63% completion.
0: I think he's a more athletic Dylan Gabriel. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I think he's a more athletic Dylan Gabriel. Now, he just needs
1: to be able to take that step up with the competition level. Like, I think he's I think he's probably we've had this debate a couple times that I can't remember exactly how it all shook out. But he's he's either like the fifth or sixth best starter in this league, probably right now on paper. And yeah. then you back him up with a guy with with American Athletic Conference starting experience as the backup. I,
0: I know that's here's my that's thing, a pretty though. solid room. It More is it's
1: clearly better than Texas Tech's.
0: <laughs> Bro, I don't. Like, it, you know what? It is. It is better than Texas Tech. My thing with Timmy McLean, though, is I understand the move. I understand why he did this, and I think he will be. He has the potential to be good in that system. But at the same time, I can't look at him going to UCF without thinking, "Bro, you couldn't beat out Gary Bohannon." Like dog, come on now. That's where. That's my hiccup. That when I looked at this, and I was thinking. I'm like, cool, the numbers look good, I understand, but you couldn't beat out Gary Bohannon, bro?
1: From a pure skill standpoint, yeah, that's a tough look. From intangibles team leadership and the experience gary has in this conference gary's a hell of a leader he's charismatic but he's a hell of a player he's a hell of a leader yeah. he's not necessarily a hell of a quarterback i like gary but yeah i mean come there's on there's a difference man. there exactly i, I want to be clear there's a difference between hell of a player and hell of a quarterback exactly he's a hell of a ball he's player. a hell he's of a, a hell ball, of ball player That <laughs> dude yeah i i would go to war with that dude every freaking yeah, day I, I, he was he but was so
0: fun his energy at the podium when, man when was, you need was a him blast. to
1: win a game with his arm it ain't happening it ain't happening. Yeah. So that's a good point, and it's well taken. But all the other rooms, frankly, like I, I would probably put TCU up there next to UCF, like five, six, and then I am looking at Baylor at seven still, and I'm definitely dropping Tech down to eight.
0: Uh, we'll 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 agree to disagree on that one. Okay. Is there
1: anyone from the bottom of this list that stands out to you? We're probably looking more so at starters now, but any you can say a single starter or a room as a whole. Who's who's standing uh, out so, and for what reason?
0: So I'm really cons- I don't know concerns the necessarily the right work. I am curious about Iowa State because Iowa State's on this list at number ten. They've got a couple of guys who are fairly I, highly talented recruits. Here's the thing, like I like JJ Cole. I like him a lot. He was an Elite 11 guy. I've spoken with uh, my man Nick Olson, who covers Iowa State for 247, uh, multiple times about Cole and his progression. Um, my thing is... 6'7", he four, And he's Jesus only going to grow. Christ. He is a dude, oh and he's got a cannon. God. But here's my thing. And it's going to be intriguing, because if Hunter Deckers is apparently caught up in this whole gambling thing, and we don't know what is going to happen there, we don't know... So when I'm looking at that, I don't know if he's even going. If he's going, how much time he's going to miss? Chemistry, you've lost Xavier Hutchison as what your star wide receiver. I think we're going to see a lot of JJ Cole this season. I thought we were going to, regardless. Um, so I don't really know what to make of Iowa State. I, I think that JJ Cole has a potential to be one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Twelve going forward. Um, but that's one I'm, I'm kind of keeping an eye on. Oklahoma State. Coming in at 11, Garrett Ragel was not it last year in the limited times. And I don't want to like put that all on him because he was they were decimated by injuries. He was a freshman. You know, I, I think if you go and look at what he was able to accomplish at Frisco Lone Star, there is some hope for him. But Alan Bowman, like you balled out as a freshman at Tech in this league, you got lost in the mix. At, and look, J.J. McCarty is a damn good quarterback for Michigan. So yeah. take that with a grain of salt. But like I just I don't know there I think they're about in the right spot at eleven they're the right spot
1: for now I'll be very interested to revisit this list later in the year because Oklahoma State has a weak ass schedule yes they've got a damn good coach
0: yeah and they do we,
1: I hate it because we give so much credit for wins and losses to quarterbacks mm-hmm. when a lot of the time it's it can be more put on coaches it can be more put on on the play of both trenches or just the defense as a whole. Right. So it'll be interesting to see if Oklahoma State has a better than expected year because there's been a lot of turmoil around the program. Mm -hmm. If they end up going and winning eight games, how much more favorably do we look on that quarterback room? That's a good point. Um, I don't expect the same thing out of Iowa State. In fact, I expect to see a good dose of J.J. Cole before the end of the year. Absolutely. and it's not just cuz the hunter deckers being involved in the betting thing like Iowa state looked far too much like Iowa last year yeah far too that much like just, Iowa that is last brutal. year <laughs> having a great defense is great it's great but you got to you got to have up the fact that they out Iowa at Iowa last year That's actually goes like head to head <laughs> 10 to 9
0: one of the most entertaining games i
1: watched last year actually just because they had the turnover that was that was a thing it was it was so many turnovers. there's no
0: way you could have paid me to watch that game (laughs) it it was early in the year
1: and so i was fiending for every (laughs) single game i could get there's no it was a really fun way fun watch anyway i think think so okay i'm feeling good about this segment you want to put a ball on it
0: yeah, we can. We can put a no, ball on no, it. No, no. My only thing is, so yeah. all right, looking. At, I think I think 12th or 13th. You could have a coin flip there. Uh, Cincinnati's 12. Houston's 13. Emory Jones. I, only, I would put Houston ahead of them because Emory Jones has hit the portal twice. Donovan Smith has once. So if Emory couldn't do it at two different places, and another thing with Cincinnati, this is one. And I, I've I've had this thought: if you're Ben Bryant. What the hell are you thinking right now? Because you could, in my opinion, you could have beat Emory Jones out to be the starter at Cincy. Uh, you left because of the coaching change, and I get that. But you go to Northwestern, who just had all the just hell just froze over over there. Like, are you even like? I, I just wonder what his thought process is. That's just a personal thing that I've, if I've, I'm him, I've had my come thought up process a couple times. Is-
1: why didn't I talk to anyone in the circle of players that's coming out now? Yeah, and with with the uh, the claims, because I would have liked to have talked to someone like that. Yeah. and probably not picked Northwestern. Right. Anyway, now that's a good point. I I, I I can I can respect and understand the Cincinnati being lower than Houston one. In fact, yeah. I dare I say it, I agree.
0: And the last one, I just want to touch on West Virginia because Garrett Green is a guy who is not going to win you games with his arm at all. Nope. Um, This is a situation where we all know Neil Brown's on the hot seat, um, which sucks for Neil Brown because he's a good dude. Uh, Nico Marchiol is a guy that a lot of people have high hopes for, and I think we're going to see a lot of him this year. The problem with that situation to me is once it's over, Neil Brown's fired, can you hold on to him if you're West Virginia? And I don't think that's the case, so I think this might be our only chances to see Nico in the Big 12. I could be totally wrong on that, but that's just my perspective.
1: Yeah. I think I know what they need to do. They need to run the dang ball. exactly. Anyway, uh, I want to just really quickly say, I feel like we didn't talk about BYU. Because oh, no, no, no. Yeah, we didn't. That's All what I wanted mean- to say was, this is what I have to say about BYU. They are where they're at. Yeah. Like Keaton Slovis, interesting. Has I talent. Look at- transferred a lot. I look at him so. like Emory Jones. I
0: think he's better than Emory Jones,
1: but also I think BYU is just in a better place than pretty much every yeah. single program below them on this list. So I think it's an accurate place. To put yeah. And
0: in I, I don't know enough about Jake Retzloff, really to be honest, but Keaton yeah. Slovis, he was he was cool to talk to at Big 12 Media Days. I wish them the best of luck. Yeah, anyway. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to put a bow on the show in the final segment. We're going to come and take a look at Baylor and preview the Bears as they get ready for the twenty. 20- 23 season that's coming up next here on the college chaos podcast welcome back into the college chaos podcast i'm garrett ross alongside my man jack mckenzie and we're going to talk a little baylor bear action as the bears get ready to open up the season as they start practice on thursday here in waco and i am
1: promptly leaving town on thursday
0: you are promptly leaving town i I feel terrible about that I, look, man, this is going to be an intriguing season because you have, once again, Dave Aranda, and I love this about Dave Aranda. Uh, he is no stranger to acknowledging where he went wrong, growing as a person, and making the right changes um, and, and the difficult decisions to grow and, and develop the program as a whole. Uh, we saw that with multiple coaching and staff changes during his tenure. Um, and he brings back Matthew to, to from Oregon, to take over the defense, Jack. And I like this move. I think that getting younger and having a person – because last year, to me, uh, they did not have any energy whatsoever within the program. I think all that headed out – went out to Lubbock and uh, to Eugene with Pallage. Uh, but bringing him back in, I, I like that. I think he resonates more with the the players. And I think that we might be able to see Aranda cut loose on defense.
1: Yeah, I think maybe saying all the energy left with those two is a maybe a bit harsh, but
0: that's just how I that was that was my perception. There's that's, a good amount of energy perception. that was brought
1: back with uh with Matt Pallage. And and honestly, what you got at there with the uh Aranda and the defense, I feel like that's actually one of the key questions for this year for Baylor is just like last year was statistically one of the worst Aranda defenses ever. Yeah. And so now that the D.C. has, has left the program, you kind of have to ask, how much of an Aranda
0: defense was it? Yeah, I mean, I feel like look, I've watched a lot of Oranda defenses. Yeah, you, LSU you know, fan. LSU fan. I mean, going back to Wisconsin, and what, and what are the, what are the things you usually see out of those defenses? Aggressiveness, people flying off the edges, turnovers. Just what you saw when they went to the freaking Sugar Bowl. More, That's more, what you saw. More press coverage
1: at cornerback. Yeah. Trust like trusting the safeties. Put guys, yeah, to lock them up. Go.
0: I mean, yeah, shutting you, down the run because you can commit numbers to it, and you didn't have that last year at all. At all. So I, I think that you will see that this year. Definitely. Yeah, I hope I, you do.
1: I think you'll see at least much more of an attempt at that because last year it felt like they were sitting sitting back. They were hoping that five guys in the box could pray to God and, and hopefully outdo the seven on the other side. Yeah. And, like, uh, yeah, it, there, there's a lot of question, question marks around that defense, but if Aranda can get it back closer to Aranda range, mm-hmm. like 30, 35 – then the success of the season probably comes down to like if you're only trying to get that eight and four mark, which I think mm-hmm. is the benchmark for a lot of Baylor fans with eight home games, a pretty favorable schedule. First four,
0: first four um, at home.
1: <laughs> so I think the benchmark there is just like if you have a 30 35 ranked defense, having about the same offense should hopefully get you to those eight wins. You can. And Baylor was the number 30th offense in SP plus last year which I think shocks a lot of people when you look at their record and having watched them play without like very paying a lot of detailed attention to the way the offense worked. There right. were some games where it was terrible. Kansas State was that was horrid. Kansas State like found themselves horrid. against Baylor. <laughs> but then there were games like West Virginia or Kansas where you're just like, so Baylor's going to get stopped when they make a mistake yeah. and not otherwise. Yeah. So... And, and that's why they lost the West Virginia game because of mistakes and then injury to Shapin, which frankly was, I'm sorry, Shapin, possibly a mistake on you for running that ball. Uh, but you get what I'm saying, yeah. though. Like, it, so the offensive side of, of this whole equation, like, it's going to come down. I think, I think you can pinpoint it to two players. Who is that, in your opinion? Shapin like and who? And, and Keetron Jackson. Okay. Keetron Jackson.
0: Okay, so Keetron, like, I know there's a lot of hype on Keetron, and he's a great kid. Um, he's a fun interview, he's a great personality, but I need to see him take it to the next level. Because, and I know Arkansas was looking at him being their main receiver this year, but he had limited numbers for the Hogs. Like I, I just, and I know he's got the, the talent. I just need to see him be able to put it together because if, if, I feel like he's going to see a lot of double teams, right? Because you know if, if Monterey, Baldwin, Monterey Baldwin needs to stay healthy first off. And I think if you're looking at this from a defensive perspective, when you look at scouting Baylor, you know, you shut Monterey down. What does Keytron do? But to me, the bigger thing is, like, who's receiver number three that's going to step up and alleviate that pressure? Because you need somebody to become a threat on the opposite side to take the double teams off of Keytron. Well, I think –
1: it's going to be very interesting because last year, I, I know a lot of Baylor people assumed Ben Sims would take a big step up. Drake Nabdi would also take a step up alongside him because two tight end sets are a fairly common occurrence in this offense. Absolutely, Two tight ends, two receivers, one running back. I believe that's uh, 12 personnel. Yep. Um, so that's, that's a pretty common package in this offense, which means that that third receiver gets limited snaps. Um, and Ben Sims, great, as great of a guy as he is, the the passing game production wasn't really there. Well, you there,
0: shouldn't be relying on your tight end to be your third target, though. That you should,
1: can. You absolutely can. You can, but and I the, don't
0: think you should. That's just me.
1: So all I'm going to say is I think Jake Roberts and a year older, year stronger, despite the injury he suffered, Drake Dabney, uh, should hopefully do a better job than Dabney and Sims did last year.
0: And hey, that, you, I think Kelsey
1: Johnson, too. Like Kelsey. Cold. That cold. <laughs> that's on top of having what I see as a stable of three guys. Who just one of them, one of them needs to sort it out. That's it. You only need one out of three guys to hit. And I'm not even adding Jordan Neighbors, Monterey's like direct backup, right? Because I think monterey is enough of an injury risk. Jordan on his He's own gonna is enough to. of an injury risk yeah. that like I count those two as you've got your slot receiver and your slot receiver backup. I haven't thought about it like that, but that is a great way to look at it. You've got your number one in Keytron. He needs to stay healthy. You lose Keytron, stuff starts looking like last year a lot. Now, that third receiver, you've got a a savvy, hardworking, good blocker in Josh Cameron who started showing he could catch stuff over the middle towards the end of the year. And then you've got a couple of really, really talented guys who could break out, and with the tutelage of Keytron, I think is the hope, develop into that number one for when Keytron's gone, which which are Hal Presley, who flashed last year. He flashed. He did. He had a couple of really nice catches. And Armani Winfield, who didn't see much of the field last year, but they were both rather highly touted recruits, at least for Baylor standards. And they're two guys who absolutely should show more production this year, just given their talent level.
0: No, I was honestly – kind. Of, I was hoping that Armani would have come out last year and produced for Baylor like we saw Evan Stewart produce for Texas A&M because they were – but like they were in the same class coming out. They were when you looked at receivers in Texas for that group, their names were they were popping off all over the state on Friday nights. And I thought Armani could bring that in to Baylor. I don't know if maybe it was a learning curve, developmental or what, but he definitely needs to take the step. How pressed go ahead. This is a lesson I think Aranda hopefully learned, I believe he did learn this
1: offseason, or was that you can't leave a room without a tested veteran presence. That's to, a great point. Cause Taekwon, and once he bounced, they were screwed. I mean, he bounced for the NFL. No, though. I know, no, I, I, know I know, but I mean, for that presence. Yeah. 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 So without having that in the room last year, I think as much as these guys were talented and could work hard, I think you've got to have that benchmark of like, look, I've got to meet this guy's level. It's not always going to be, he's more skilled than me, but it's got to be like, he's a hard worker. He's studying the game. It's got to be some of those things. And so I think that's a lesson Aranda learned. And that's a way he's going to use the transfer portal better better, is never having a room, not have that, that old guy, that that guy that you have to meet the standard of. He doesn't have to be the leader in terms of vocal, but he's got to be that guy who sets the standard. And that's what I think Keytron brings to that room. I'm sorry. No,
0: no, though. no, you're, that's a great point. And I think that's pretty much, we're all on the same page when we're looking at the rod receiver room. There's a couple of areas I want to hit on here before we get out. Yeah. Uh, offensive line. This is a unit who replaces everybody, right? Like you have five new offensive linemen coming in. I'm a little skeptical and look, we've, we've heard, I, I don't want to, I'm trying to phrase this without pissing anybody off. Um, <laughs> We've heard a lot about Mateos, the development. We've seen it once, right? Like, we've seen Mateos have one okay, good okay. offensive line, and it was a lot of guys he inherited. Last year was a step back, and it's not all on him. I think, you know, you were hoping to get more from Micah Mazzucca. It just didn't happen. Gavin Byers – I mean, uh, not Gavin Byers, but uh, Connor Galvin bought into the hype. Now, he got in his own head.
1: I know our Travis Roeder, uh will flat-out argue with you on that because – I've had to edit multiple of his articles. He believes the 2022 line performed better than the 21 line did at the end of the year. And he, he has some good film to back it up. They were running run schemes that, that Mateos and Grimes just did not put in for 21. They did not put in, and they were executing them well.
0: Okay, but it didn't... Maybe maybe all right. Maybe they did. Maybe the unit as a whole the, performed better, but the people around them didn't. Yes, and maybe that's where it's getting Individuals were
1: disappointing last year clearly that's undeniable mazuka galvin they were disappointing individuals on that line by the end of the year though i think they were playing pretty solid and beyond all of that it's a clean freaking slate like this year we are going to know hands down that's mateos, what i'm getting at if mateos is is worth the top offensive line coach in the country kind of money that he's getting. Because that, that he is getting
0: paid like a top it, offensive line coach in the country. Exactly. And that's where I was going with this. Because I think if you look two years ago, right, like we're coming into the season, it was Eric Mateos, hands down, is the best offensive line coach in the Big 12, one of the best in the nation. Right now, he's not even the best in the conference. That goes to K-State. That goes to K-State. That goes to their offensive line coach. That goes to that group. That's my opinion. I think you can if make it. competition argument. out there, it's got to be K-States. I will say, don't discount Mateos I'm just not. because he I'm doesn't not. have No, 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 the- no, no. No, I'm not discounting Mateos. No. I think he's a damn good coach, and I think he ran into some circumstances, but I think we're going to learn a lot about what he truly is this year as he's bringing in his own guys, his hand-picked guys out of the portal. I think we're going to see... What, it, what he really is about this year. That's where I'm coming at with that.
1: And at risk of sounding like a homer, I really think we're going to see that he is I hope one we do. of the best in the nation. I, I, I hope we do. Because at the start of the year, what Baylor's going to want to do is they're going to want to establish the run. They're want, going to want to look a lot like that 2021 Absolutely. team. You want to get Dom Richardson going downhill. You want to get Richard Reese being the kind of the lightning to his thunder, even though right. Richardson can probably do it all. And then he splash in a little Bryson Washington, a little uh, That's Quaylen good. Jones. Bryson. <laughs> but the key here is that he's got athletes who look to be better run blockers initially than pass blockers. Right. And so if you can start establishing the run like you did in 21... It frees things up. It gives them more time through the year to put in more more counters in their run actions mm-hmm. and to get better at pass blocking and pass protecting. And so I think this actually sets up really nicely for the timeline Mateos will have with that position group. It's a key position group, but I still think my major questions on offense are quarterback
0: and wide receiver right. just because I do have that faith in Mateos. Uh, I know we're going a little over, but the last question I have, this is something I've been wondering is, Where is Josh White? and is he going to emerge this year because I feel like if it's not this year that's it well that's the thing right like you you went out you got him from LSU you you, you thought that he was going to come in and be that guy and, and and take over from the the Mike linebacker position but that just hasn't been the case Matt Jones is, is still the guy which I've got a lot of questions about Matt Jones a lot of questions about uh, Matt Jones Mike Smith though th- here's the thing I feel like Mike Smith coming and getting him from Liberty bringing him in the way he was at representing the team at Big 12 Media Days just the way Aranda gushes about him and his performance I feel like Mike Smith overshadowed and took the position that they were hoping Josh White got. I still want to see some production from him, but that's just what I'm curious about, and that's something I'm watching heading into the season. Well, you look at Mike
1: Smith, and you look at Matt Jones, and then you look at guys like uh, Josh White and maybe Carmelo Jones. Carmelo, yeah. You've got guys your, – your starters look like they're the cerebral, they're the not freak athletes, but they're going to know where they need to be. If those guys behind them, if the Josh White's Carmelo Jones, Mm -hmm. if they can start matching that cerebral level, no offense to those, to Matt Jones and to Mike Smith, but they're going to lose, they're going to start losing snaps pretty quick to those more athletic guys. I think that's the hope. I think that's the goal. I think we're going to see a good bit of Josh White this year because there are going to be plenty of times when I think you need that speed on the field. Right. I just think possibly. Possibly part of the reason why Rand is gushing so much about Mike Smith is he is elevating that linebacker room as a whole. Probably. He is he is holding them to a standard. He's
0: damn sure a leader. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That much was made clear to us. But if he can bring guys like Josh White, Carmelo Jones, along with him, if he can raise that floor of that group, right. they're cooking with gas and they can keep rotating guys through fresh, fresh bodies out there, limit stat snap counts, limit injuries. Yep. We have to see Josh White this year. We we have we have, have to, to see. Him. Because he – hell, he flashed on special teams last year. I got a picture of him up at Oklahoma where he smashed his face mask in <laughs> making a tackle. <laughs> it was great. I love that picture. Yeah. But, like, we need to see him produce in the actual set defense. Yes. It's awesome to see that effort that he puts in on special teams, though. So I don't think it's a guy who's, like, necessarily struggling for the want to. Right. No, know? no, 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 no. That's not it. So, yeah. Anyway. My final word on, on Baylor is probably I got to go eight in four because there are too many limbs that I'd be going out on to say anything better than that. And the schedule, which we didn't really dive into, but just real quick because screw it. We're going to go over a little, um, you open up with four home games, right? You have eight total home games. What you open up with four straight, two of them are tough. You've got, so you start with Texas state and then you've got Utah long Island And then Texas. Mm -hmm. If you get out of that at two and two, you're probably not feeling great, but you should hopefully still be on your way to eight and four. You get out of there three and one. I don't care if you beat Texas or Utah. If you get out of there three and one, you have to go eight and four at that point, in my mind.
0: You do. I think you're two and two, though. Because
1: your four road games are at UCF, at Cincinnati, at Kansas State, and at TCU. Those last two, good luck. Yeah. But those first two, eh, bounce house could be. Pretty freaking tough. Big 12 opener at the bounce house. Yeah, 10-year
0: um, anniversary. Yeah, that's That, that Fiesta Bowl defeat.
1: But again, you're looking at dropping one or two at home and picking up one or two on the road. That's the recipe that gets you to Aiden for they have too much damn talent at too many spots for me to think that Six and six is successful. It's not successful. Six and six is a bad it's year a for this very team, given the schedule and the town. Seven and five is borderline, and I would still say it will, it will be disappointing if they go seven and five. That's where eight I'm home at. Home games is just too much for me to say anything worse than eight and four. Honestly,
0: um, a seven and five is my ceiling. Uh, I can
1: ceiling. Yeah. I, well, I mean, yeah. It's your ceiling. Mm-hmm. So, so that's not a disappointment. To it's hell. Yeah, it's a disappointment. How can the ceiling be a disappointment? because i think that you think they're locked in to be a disappointing team no matter what this year i think they're no on what, a they will slippery
0: slope to become that i, I think not re-
1: not reaching expectations is disappointment in my mind so by that definition is your expectation 7 and 5 or is your expectation like what what is your expectation
0: my this, honestly the bar should be 8 and 4 i just don't see them hitting it okay so maybe 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 I'm wording it wrong. The bars eight and four. I think I'll, I I'm is the expectations
1: wrong way to put it for you then. Because you saying yeah, so the standard's eight and four, but you just I firmly feel like they're believe going to hit it. Yes. So they won't be disappointing in your mind if they go 7 and
0: 5. It'll be They'll better just than last be what year. They are. Yeah, like I mean I, I I don't mean to be a Debbie downer or sound like I'm you know, I no, just no, no, no. I'm I'm just trying to figure out the right way to put this for you. No, like I look, dude. I think you, I think you're two and two heading into UCF.
1: I, you, you really think they're losing that UCF game? I know it. I, I know I do. you. <laughs> dude. It's that UCF game and then the two other late road games.
0: Yeah, dude. Like I, I don't see you're not winning Manhattan. You're not. You never beat TCU. You can't beat TCU. You couldn't buy a win from TCU. <laughs> yeah, um, been rough lately. Westford, you should beat West Virginia. I mean. Yeah, Sensi, you should beat Sensi. Yeah, dude, I think they're seven to pick five. up. Pick up one on the road, lose three at home. Yeah, I think they're seven to five, and lose right, cool. no, two. And th- that's Sorry. without the you without, without th- the bowl game. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think that would be a disappointing year. We shall see. Yeah, we will. Anyway, thanks for sticking with us through our little extra
0: seven minutes here on the College Chaos Podcast. <laughs> Dog. Bro, all right, yeah. Ignore Jack's coughing. Be sure to go like and subscribe Crystal bro, Ball College so football as we are so sorry. on the move and the push to reach twelve thousand subscribers before the season starts. And also we are
1: trying to adopt this new schedule here Mondays yes. at ten a.m. ten to eleven. We'll be reacting to all the latest stuff from the weekend in college football. A lot of game breakdowns and where do we go from here is poll expectations, yep. standings, shakeups. All of that fun stuff,
0: we have it for you. And always go check out 365 Sports in the afternoon as they hold it down nationally. And the neighborhood watch here around one to two p.m. Yep.
1: That's when uh, Josh releases his episodes. Also, find all of our all of our stuff, our podcast versions. Find them on Spotify, on Apple, anywhere you get your podcasts. Just look for 365 Sports presents and yep. the title of the show. So 365 Sports is going to have a slightly different title because you're not going to say, hey, 365 Sports presents 365 Sports. But for uh, podcasts like The Neighborhood Watch or us here at College Chaos Podcast, it'll be something along the lines of either Sikkim 365 or 365 Sports presents those podcasts.
0: And last but not least, go Sikkim365.com, the birth child of all this. Like, subscribe, do all that stuff. This is the College Chaos Chaos Podcast. Podcast. We out. Peace.